Well, this morning I'll remind you that our theme for the fall of this year is the church. Why does it matter as we continue our conversation under the heading of why does it matter for the entire year? And if you've been with us at all this fall, you know that I've offered you just this brief explanation of of the church, uh, that the church is a purposeful community of gathered believers following the Jesus way together. And that is who we are here at First Baptist Arlington. And we have been exploring who our church is and who the church is during the fall. And so today I want to share with you another message in that series, First Baptist Arlington, We Worship. And so let's look at this text. It's the same text we've been using for the last few Sunday mornings, found in Acts 2, if you have your copy of the New Testament. Luke pauses here in this text to offer a brief summary of that very first Christian community in Jerusalem that formed at the end of the Feast of Pentecost. So Acts 2.42, Luke has written, they, these believers who were baptized, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, this morning, I want us to talk a little bit about worship. And y'all may remember... um, Back in 2016, I believe it was, we together as a church family went on a 40-day journey, and I wrote this little book called Please God. Some of you are newer to our church, and you don't know about that, but if you go to thesacramentaljourney.org, that's the website that I have, you can scroll down to the download section, you can actually download that little book, and uh, or... For $9.99, you can, I'll send it to you absolutely free. How about that? Um, but uh, actually, it is free. But you can download it, and uh, you can look at the, those 40 days if it's been a while since you've looked at those. But that was a journey that our church embarked on to focus on the whole concept of worship. So when you think about worship, the early church was devoted to the practices of worship. We, we don't have all of our questions answered about what the early church did. But we do know that the early church was committed to, devoted to the practices of worship. In fact, if you'll just, if you still have your Bibles open, if you look at Acts 2.42, here's what Luke says. He says, they, these believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We've talked about that already. That's, that's the spiritual formation. To fellowship, that's community. We talked about that last week. And then he says this, to the breaking of bread, and in Greek it says, and to the prayers. So you have that definite article, the, used both times, which signals something in Greek grammar, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. The word prayers is in the plural in the Greek text. Now, our translators have decided to just put that in the singular, but it, it, it causes interpreters to try to decide what exactly did Luke mean, particularly using the definite article both times. 
And so as most scholars would tell you that we believe that when Luke says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, he was referring to the Lord's Supper that we just celebrated. The prayers, there were these regimented prayers that took place at the temple. These early believers were in Jerusalem. They were Jews. So they were accustomed to going to the temple for not just for sacrifices, but for a time of prayer. As a matter of fact, look at chapter 3, verse 1. We didn't read this text, but Luke says one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. So they were going to a prayer service at the temple. So evidently the early church somehow used those prayer services, even some still at the temple, probably their own regimented times of prayer, celebrating the Lord's Supper. If you look at verse 46 of chapter 2, he says they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That seems to be somewhat of an informal time of worship that was taking place in the homes of these believers as well as the practices of worship together as a body. So there was joy, there was reverence, and there was a sense of awe, Luke says, in what God was doing in the life of the church. So to say that these early believers were committed to the practices of worship should not surprise us. After all, they're Jews. They're faithful Jews. They are used to worshiping. And these apostles have been worshiping with Jesus for the last three and a half years. So these are worshiping people, okay? So it shouldn't surprise me that when the early church is birthed, one of the things that marks them is a commitment to worship. And so they worshiped God together. Now, here's the question. As the church began to grow and spread across the ancient world, what did they actually do on Sundays? What did it look like for them? You and I are so far removed from that early experience because look at what we have. Um, last Sunday morning, our two um, brothers from the Ukraine, y'all remember them being here? Igor and Pavlo. They were coming to the church via Uber. And when I gave them the instructions about coming to the church, they, I gave them the address 300 South Center Street. That's the sanctuary on this side of Center Street. But our legal address is 301 South Center Street, which is across the street at the Wade Building, and it has a big sign across that building that says First Baptist Church. So they are on their way here, and I'm texting with Igor, and the Uber driver disagrees with them about the address for this church. I've given them 300. He has 301. Well, to an Uber driver, he wants to take you where you're supposed to go. The question is, is the church on this side of the street or is it on that side of the street? Well, I told them, I finally texted Igor and I said, come on the side of the, the, side of the street where you'll see a, a drive-through. So when they got out, they noticed the sign that they saw was on that side of the street. I then said to them, well, actually, we have six and a block, half blocks downtown Arlington, to which one of them said, what do you do with all of that? <laughs> in their context, they're trying to imagine how in the world a church could occupy this much real estate. 
So think about that. Think about how far we are removed from this first church. They didn't have this. They didn't enjoy the, the, the peace and safety, if you will, of this. They, they met in their homes. So what did they do? How did they worship? Well, over time, the church is going to grow across the ancient world. Paul is going to begin addressing the practices of worship in the life of the church. And so scholars have studied to understand exactly what we can learn about the early believers. So let me share this with you this morning. Here are the elements and influences of early Christian worship. Ralph Martin, wonderful New Testament theologian, he's written this classic book called Worship in the Early Church. And based upon his research and the research of a lot of other folks, this is what we best can ascertain. These are the influences and the elements in worship in the early church. First of all, you have the synagogue. These were Jews primarily. And in the synagogue, there were three parts of worship. There was praise, prayer, and instruction. So the Jews would gather in synagogues outside Jerusalem. They didn't offer up sacrifices there. That was only for the temple. But they'd have a time of praise, a time of prayer. And then there was a reading of the law and the prophets and the wisdom material. And someone in the synagogue got up and gave an explanation of what was read. Sometimes they had to translate it because it was read in Hebrew. And there were many people attending the synagogues who didn't speak Hebrew. They might have spoken Aramaic or Greek. So somebody in the congregation had to tell everybody this is what was just said. And then they were instructed. Well, the early Christians, we believe, had a time of praise and prayer and instruction. That was the influence of the synagogue. There was also the influence of the temple. The temple was the place of sacrifice. There was an incredible sacrificial system in the life of Judaism in place in the first century. And so these early Christians had to decide what to do with that. Were they supposed to still go back to the temple to sacrifice now that they're Christians? Where their theology prohibited them from that because now they decided that the understanding of the sacrifice that they learned in the temple was now embodied in the person of Jesus himself. And he was the Lamb of God. So the concept of sacrifice was still woven into the fabric of their worship. They just now embraced the sacrifice of Jesus. And then the upper room. The upper room was where the sacrament of the Lord's Supper was instituted. Where Jesus said, do this now in remembrance of me. And so the, what took place in the life of those disciples in the upper room, which was just a small number of people, now began to spread among all Christians. As a matter of fact, look how influential that is. You and I are, are sitting here right now in 2023, and we just did it ourselves. And it all started with just a small supper with Jesus and his closest friends. And then the Jordan River. The Jordan River is where Jesus was baptized. And so these early believers embraced baptism as a sign of their decision to follow Jesus and a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it became a part of their worship. But they were Jews, and so their worship book was what you and I would call the Psalms. And so it's the Psalms is where they learned to sing, to share poetry, and also these deep expressions of emotion, of lament, of praise, of confession, of celebration, of history, theology, and so if you put all that together, are y'all still with me? That, that's really what happened in the early church. They were influenced by what took place in the synagogue, what took place in the temple, what took place in the upper room, what happened at the Jordan River, and what took place in their worship using the book of Psalms. So the early church drew upon their Jewish heritage, 
their Jewish context as well as their unique Christian experience. And they crafted a worshiping community. The Holy Spirit and the resurrected Lord was at the heart of this new redeemed community. Now let me just say that, say this to you this morning. Worship. You have been uniquely created by God to worship him. You're different than the rest of the animal kingdom. The rest of the animal kingdom has no idea how to respond to the creator. But you, you have been given the image of God. And because of that, you have a unique opportunity individually and corporately together with other brothers and sisters to worship God. Now, how much time do you think I've spent thinking about, praying about, studying, and having conversation about worship in 40 years of preaching? How much time do you think? You think it ever crosses my mind? I, I, I can't even tell you how many hours I have given to just trying to understand worship. I have, I have volumes in my library like this one. In case you need to know, the Oxford history of Christian worship. You, you get points from the flex now here just by carrying this around with you. <laughs> it is 2,000 years of Christian worship. What have Christians done? Why have they done it? Where have they done it? Who decided when to do it? Who made the decision how to do it? What is the theology under it? Why is it so different? Why is it so much the same? Just scholar after scholar after scholar have spoken into my life as I have prayed about, thought about, reflected upon, led worship now for all of these years. And here's what I would tell you. Historically, the church has just made worship a priority as it should be because what a privilege that we get to worship God. Amen. You and I as human beings in this unique, unique relationship with God, we get to gather together as God's people, encounter the living God revealed through the resurrected Lord and glorified Son of God, energized by the dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit. You don't get this anywhere else. Amen. Worship is a priority. What a privilege it is for us. And for us as a church, we've, we've given a lot of energy and attention to it. I want to tell you we have. When we made our way through COVID and we were unable to meet, it was a shock to our system. Would you not agree? We're so accustomed to this. And we finished the renovation of our facilities. We opened our preschool children's building. We finally completed all this Sunday school space for our senior adults on the first floor. Our student building had been renovated so as we come out of COVID, we have more Sunday school space than we've ever had in the history of this church. And we felt like we were somewhat separated and isolated because of COVID. So we got together and prayed and reflected and planned and challenged each other as leaders. What do we do now? We know what we used to do. What do we do now in this moment? And so we made a decision. We're going to continue to have two different types of experiences of worship at this church. One of them is going to be more traditional and classical. The other one is going to be more contemporary. And we decided in order to, to continue to bless and foster the unity of this body as we climb out of COVID to go back to one Sunday school. My whole pastorate here, we've had two Sunday schools and two worship services. True? Most of y'all been here for a long time. 9, 30, and 11. 
We decided, let's see if we can't bring together everybody for Bible study in one hour. And in order to do that, we've got to accommodate what we believe are the needs of our people. And we are burdened about the lostness of this younger generation in this country. We are watching young people in droves leave our churches, never even attend a church, and we're burdened about that. And so we decided we are going to, if we can, we're going to have our classic worship service first, our Bible study hour next, and then the contemporary service later in the day to see if we can't reach more of these people that we are so concerned about that we know are lost. We're talking about our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and we are burdened about them. And that meant we had to ask something of you in order to do that, and I want to thank you for accommodating it. As you come to worship now at 8.30 on Sunday morning, because worship is a priority to you, is it not? Amen. It's not to everybody. Worship is a matter of convenience to many people. Many Christians. They make decisions about worship based upon how convenient it is. Well, I may go, I may not go. I mean, is there anything there for me today? I'm wondering what they're going to sing today. I wonder what the preacher's going to talk about today. Last Sunday, I was a little uncomfortable. And so on, and I don't need to tell that to y'all, because y'all are, who am I talking to, an 8.30 worship crowd? <laughs> but y'all know what I mean. I'm talking about people in the broad sector. Would you like to come to worship? Well, when is it? Well, what are you going to be doing? I, I don't know. I, got, I mean, I got stuff going on that morning. I hadn't even got my laundry done. And you, I'm thinking, you have the privilege of being in the presence of Almighty God and you're worried about your laundry. Seriously. Worship of God. This is holy ground. Come on, y'all. We're in God's presence. Have you been in God's presence today? I have. I've been humbled today. In this room. Praise God, I should be. <laughs> so let me give you some things to consider real quickly as we conclude. Here's what I want to tell you real quickly about worship. Worship emerges from salvation. Only saved people now worship God. You can try to worship God as a lost person, and I believe God hears it, and I believe God accepts it, but true worship comes from the saved. That's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Worship involves expectation. You should anticipate meeting God. You should think, I'm going to hear God's voice today. I'm going to receive whatever he has for us. Worship involves preparation. Do you know, in order for us to worship God, things have to happen. I was by here yesterday morning. Did y'all know that the juice and the bread in these cups doesn't just magically appear? Y'all know that, right? Some of your brothers and sisters were here yesterday morning getting these elements ready for you, praying over them for you. These folks that just led us in worship, the choir and the orchestra, they've spent hours practicing, rehearsing, thinking about what they're going to do to lead your operations team 
is in this facility every day. They get here early on Sunday morning just to make sure everything is okay, if something is right, to do their very best to make it just right for me and you. Our media team, making sure all these settings are just right. They're concerned about those of you that are at home. They're concerned about those of you in this room. They want to make sure it's the best experience possible. Yesterday morning, I came here. I, I had a brief word with, with Mike Davis and Cheryl as they had finished preparing everything for the Lord's Supper. And then I went through every pew yesterday morning, every single pew, and I prayed over you. I straightened up your hymn book a little bit, some of you, because some of you don't know how to put them back in. You know, you put them in upside down. I'm not sure why, but I went through and looked at them, and I thought about you, and I prayed over you, and I asked God to, to speak to you right here in this very room. Why? Because it matters. Because we want to be prepared Hours are spent in preparation. Oh, Zan Holmes, one of my favorite African-American preachers. He's, he's, he's retired now over in Dallas. He said when he was a boy, he went to church with his grandma, and they got home, and his grandmother said, well, what'd you think about the sermon? And he said, I didn't get much out of it. She said, how much did you put into it, son? Did you pray for the preacher last night? Did you show up ready? Have you been living for Jesus all week? Or you just show up on Sunday morning like you're at a buffet and you expect God just give you what you want? Zan Holmes said, I've never forgot that. How much did you put into it? Well, how much did you put into it? You see, you and I, when we come to worship, we should be prepared. Do you know what the Jews used to do? They used to sing the Psalms of Ascent before they went to the temple. They didn't just show up at the temple. They actually lamented, they confessed, go and look at the songs of ascent in the book of Psalms. They prepared their hearts. You and I should be preparing ourselves to be in the very presence of God. I'm going to start preaching about it here in just a second, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> Worship includes exaltation. When we come together, we exalt and lift up our Lord. We honor him for who he is. We adore him. Worship requires dedication. Devotion, commitment to the authority of the Lordship of Jesus, submitting to his will. Worship invites sanctification. When I come to worship God, all of a sudden he starts shaping my life through these encounters with him. I can't even begin to communicate to you how much worship has influenced my life through the years. Worship results in edification. Believers are built up, they're strengthened, they're filled, they're encouraged, they're instructed. And worship leads to motivation. When you worship God together as the people of God, sometimes we need to change. Sometimes we need to, we need to follow through on commitments. We need to be obedient to God. And worship serves as that motivating factor for us. Worship, it's powerful. So at First Baptist Arlington, you know what we do? We worship. And we want you to live this dynamic, spirit-filled life that God has for you. And I am convinced you cannot do it without worshiping God. You just can't. It's just not possible without worship. Worship is essential to becoming this deep Christian who is deeply committed to the worship of God. So this morning, I want to invite you to respond to all of that in your own heart. What is God saying to you about your worship? Let's pray together. Well, Father, we, we love you. And we're honored to be in your presence, as we should be. And Lord, I want to thank you for this church, for the commitment of these people, for their belief in the priority of worship. And I just pray that our worship, Lord, will honor you in everything that we do. May it be so. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.